there. Welcome to Shoot the Flick, an official Paradoja podcast. I'm Frankie Sparks. And I'm Scott Eisenberg. And we are a married couple who like to shoot the shit about movies. That we do. That we do. And this week, I have introduced Scott to a gem of a 90s film, a pure, beautiful gem. (laughs) Yeah, pure and beautiful. Yes, indeed. It is... Uh, it's a movie. It's Hackers, released in 1995. And as of, I think, a couple days ago, I might have put it on our Shoot the Flick Instagram already, but it is celebrating its 25th anniversary. So I thought, why not do Hackers on this episode? I'm very excited. This is a movie I used to watch as a kid slash teenager. I watched it a lot. I hadn't seen it in a long time, and I just got like a big old wave of nostalgia when we rewatched it. So I'm like ready to discuss. <laughs> yeah. Uh, normally we have a thing where I'm like, oh, how do you feel about this movie? And I'm not sure how I feel about this movie. <laughs> Scott was very confused a lot of the time watching it. It, it kind of reminded me a little bit of when I inter- introduced him to Moulin Rouge. Because he just kept looking at me with a very bewildered look on his face. <laughs> yeah, it, it definitely has actually a lot of similarities to Moulin Rouge in ways of like, Choices that were made, camera work. Uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, it's very '90s, and we'll we're gonna talk about it and explain why I say that. But you know, first things first, we're gonna hit you with some introductory fun facts, as we do on Shoot the Flick. So let me guess, this won no Oscars. Um, zero point zero Oscars okay. were won or nominated. <laughs> for hackers <laughs> i know it's very shocking if you've seen this movie you know it's it's a shock this movie really got no love whatsoever it had a 20 million dollar budget and it made a whopping seven and a half million <laughs> so it was it was a bomb at the time but it, it kind of resurged over time as a bit of a cult classic i know we've been throwing around that term a lot lately but I feel like Hackers is a definite, like some of them in the past that we've mentioned are cult classics, quote unquote, kind of questionable in my opinion. But this one, I think, is definitely a cult classic. Go ahead, Scott. You're looking at me like I got three heads. <laughs> no, I'm still shocked that that cost $20 million. Yeah, well, it was the 90s. I, that cost $20 million? Uh, we're we're going to get there, guys. Okay, so it was directed by Mr. Ian Softley. He directed a handful of other films, none of which I really recognized. But it was written by a Mr. Raphael Moreau, who is self-proclaimed to be very heavily into like hacking and cyberpunk aesthetic stuff. Oh, yeah, so... So and into that. You, you can tell by this movie. He only wrote one other film. It wouldn't be War Games, would it? No. <laughs> it was in the, the good old year of 1999. And it was entitled The Rage, Carrie 2. Oh. Yeah. Ah, actually it was covered by Dead Meat. <laughs> yes. As Rachel's mom, Barbara, enters the party, another mean party girl gets killed by CDs. Because this is 1999, motherfuckers. But yeah, 
it's um okay so here's the thing like i love this movie like i said but i can recognize objectively speaking it's not a great movie (laughs) objectively speaking yes but i do think it's incredibly entertaining some of it you're sitting there and you're like what were they thinking how old's angelina jolie here uh she's 21 2021 she does look kind of young not i don't think she's young this was this was her second film role this is one of those movies you go back to where you're like, oh, let me watch her film career. And you're like, ooh, okay, I, I see where we started. Um, these characters are supposed to be 18. Yes, they're supposed to be seniors in high school. Uh, the one who looks the most atrocious is Matthew Lillard. Well, yes, Matthew Lillard is in this movie, and he looks about the size of an oak tree. So, yeah, he doesn't look like he's 18. But, to be fair, a lot of movies have actors that are supposed to be high school age and they look like adults so i'm i'm willing to let that go oh yeah no i'm not saying i'm like most of them i could buy like that's the thing i could buy most of them right matthew Lillard's the only one i'm like okay even as Stu, he didn't look like a high school kid and i think Stu was what four years later uh you're talking about scream right no that was the next year oh really that's next year okay even as Stu, he didn't look like a high school student right yeah you don't even know how to rate this, you said. No, I have don't. You, have you rated this film yet? No, I have not rated this film okay, yet. Okay, so we are going to talk about it, and then at the end of the episode, we're going to get your final rating. Uh, yeah. Which I think is good, because usually with movies like this, because with Moulin Rouge, you didn't really have a solid rating either. You kind of wanted to talk it out first yes. and then get to the rating. So I feel like I have an opportunity here to get you to a three. And I'm excited. You have an opportunity. I think you have more of an opportunity to get this to a three than you did Moulin Rouge. Because honestly, like, you were entertained. You were confused, but you were entertained. Oh, yeah. Like, with Moulin Rouge, you were kind of over, like, the romance bullshit. And you were getting, like, annoyed by a lot of things. But I feel like in this, you weren't really annoyed. You were just baffled. (laughs) As much as there's some dumb choices in this movie. Actually, a lot of dumb choices in this movie. (laughs) There was never a point where I was, like, taken out of the movie entirely. Right. I get you. Moulin Rouge... The moment John Leguizamo entered Moulin Rouge, I was automatically thrown out of the movie. Yeah. I I can understand that. I mean, I love Moulin Rouge, but I can understand. Also, with this, I can understand. But I, I have a real nostalgic love for this film. And I, I give it slack. It, it has a certain over-the-top 90s charm to it it's very cheesy and i just i really enjoy that so some je ne sais quoi some je ne sais quoi so i think we can get into the nitty-gritty now okay let's get into the nitty and the gritty so our movie opens in seattle 1988 and we see a swat team Entering a very suburban house. Oh dear, how is the SWAT team entering this house? I don't know what you mean, dear. I, I don't I don't know what you're talking about. What are you referring to? I'm saying the SWAT team enters the house in slow motion. Oh yes, it's it's very dramatic, dear. We need a dramatic opening sequence, okay? And it's the 90s, and when the 90s wanted drama, 
they either went with fast cuts, like super fast, which that happens too with this movie, or they go super slow-mo. That's just the 90s they want way. The, they, they want the people they watch. It's okay. <laughs> oh, God. All right. So this, this SWAT team enters this house as this mother character is setting the table. Everything is lovely and wonderful. SWAT team busts in. She's like, oh, my God. They arrest this person. We don't see the person just yet. We cut to a trial. It's a very famous trial. There's paparazzi flashing and, you know, news reports and all this stuff. And funnily enough, the prosecuting attorney in this trial (laughs) is played by Felicity Huffman, ironically, because she recently got arrested and went to jail for the college admission scandal. Kind of funny if you think about it. But anyway. It's quite funny. So... They're talking about this person, Dade Murphy, who was arrested. And the prosecuting attorney is saying like, oh, this person, Dade Murphy, a.k.a. Zero Cool, which is his hacking persona. (laughs) All all the hackers in this movie have little hacker personas, little nicknames, and it's quite adorable. Um, (laughs) But they talk about how Dade Murphy had hacked into several thousands of different systems including the new york stock exchange and then you pan over past all these lawyers and then you see an empty space and they pan down and it's revealed that dade murphy is an 11 year old boy (laughs) which is okay that shot's been done a lot yes the shot of whenever it's a kid or like a little person yeah like something like that i think austin powers did that to introduce mini me Oh, I'm sure they did. Yeah, I'm sure. So the the judge sentences Dade Murphy to a big old fine. He got put on probation and he can't use a computer or a touch tone phone until his 18th birthday. So then <laughs> they cut to seven years later and Dade Murphy, played by Johnny Lee Miller, is 18 years old and him and his mom are moving from Seattle. They're on a plane going to New York. So he's he's the new kid in town in New York City. Uh, if you don't know who Johnny Lee Miller is, this was his first movie that he'd ever done. But he was in Train Spotting right after this. Okay. He. I thought I recognized him. Yeah, he's like one of those actors that if you see his face, you'll be like, oh, I can't. I think I know who that is. He just ended a show on I think it was CBS, one of those like late night shows called elementary where he played sherlock holmes opposite lucy Liu. oh oh he was Sherlock. yeah he was sherlock oh okay i don't guess i observe and once i've observed i deduce how did you know i used to be a surgeon google not everything is deducible yeah he's a little cutie patootie and he's playing dade uh him and his mom move into this new apartment He's officially 18. It's his 18th birthday. So what does he do, Scott? The first thing he does is an 18-year-old boy, or man, I should say. He hacks into a local TV station because <laughs> this local TV station has this racist asshole, kind of like a Bill O'Reilly type character on and talking about racist shit. So he hacks into the TV station and changes the programming to an episode of Outer Limits. Ha 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 ha. I do want to go back, though, to this judge sentencing him to 
seven years of probation. Not well. He's eleven. <laughs> like, what do you want him to do? What do you? But like the way they shot the scene is so kind of ridiculously done. It's very. It's like over the top, like dramatic, because they do the slow mo bullshit like all the way through, and you know they do like the echoing gavel slamming down. But it's you know it's normal dramatic bullshit. It's so fucking stupidly funny because the way we go from here like that seems so out of place it kind of does <laughs> yeah because after this it kind of turns into like a like a cool like oh we're cool teenagers and we do hacking and we're just saying random techno mumbo jumbo to sound cool like that's basically what the movie is the rest of the time so after he puts up this episode of outer limits and he's very proud of himself ha 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 he gets a little counterattack on his computer by another hacker named Acid Burn. And this hacker, Acid Burn, asks who the hell he is. And Dade almost IDs himself as Zero Cool. But he's like, no, 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 no. I'm not going to do that because, you know, that's a big, it was, it, it was a big deal. Yeah. You know, he doesn't want to put his name out there. So he changes his little moniker to Crash Override. And Crash Override and Acid Burn have a bit of a, for lack of a better term, hacker fight. Throwing hacker mumbo jumbo at each other. All while this is going on, they are cutting in random scenes from random shows and random movies. Yeah, let's talk about the editing in this movie. It's all over the place. It's everywhere and anywhere. It's crazy. And they cut to the TV station where two robots are fighting over what to put on the television set. But basically, both these hackers are, like, fucking with this TV station. But eventually, Acid Burn kind of kicks out Dade, and Acid Burn wins, and Dade's like, Shit on me. Fun fact about these little hacking sequences throughout the movie, there's several, and they, they think they're cool, basically. They want to show the hackers going inside the computer and fucking with the graphics in the computer. It's very Tron-esque almost. Flashing lights and graphic shit and it's crazy. Uh, there is one point where they show a shot of the skyline of New York City and then it turns into like a computer program. Oh yes, it's very artsy. <laughs> they do this a couple of times throughout the yeah. movie. But fun fact... These sequences where the inside computer stuff is going on were mostly done with motion-controlled models instead of, like, actual CGI because the director thought that that would look too fake. Now, mind you, the fucking effects in this movie look super fake, like, at all times. There are certain points, like, green screen effects, graphics. It's all bullshit, and it's clearly nonsense but apparently Ian Softly was very against using actual CGI because that would just look too fake <laughs> so now we get Dade's first day at school and he meets this girl named Kate played by a very young Angelina Jolie and fun fact I don't know if you'll find this interesting Scott but Kate obviously if you couldn't figure it out by my first sentence introducing a female character to our main male character, she's the love interest of the film. What? No fucking way. But interestingly enough, the 
love connection between Johnny Lee Miller and Angelina Jolie was not just on screen. Oh, no, no, no. <gasps> Miller and Jolie fell in love on the set in real life and got married in March of 1996. They were both in their early 20s, you know, crazy kids in love. And uh, they separated eight months later. <laughs> Seems like Hollywood. So, yes, yeah, uh, Dade and Kate meet. Dade clearly smitten with her right away. She's showing him around the school and he's like, wait, I'm not in class with you. And she's like, no, I'm not in your class. Like, bye. You know, she's like over it. And then um, she's like, oh, wait, by the way, there's an Olympic sized swimming pool on the roof. Just in case you wanted to know that. Uh, Because you want to go for a swim. You know, as you do in high school, you just go up to the fucking roof swimming pool and go for a swim yeah. randomly in the middle of the day. Yeah, there's a in a random Olympic sized swimming pool at a high school on the roof. On the roof. That sounds that sounds legit. So <laughs> Dade stupidly goes up to the roof, and when he opens the door and walks through, a bunch of nerdy, over the top kids run over to him was like yeah the door no 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 and it shuts behind him and locks him on the roof meaning that kate was a little asshole and she pranked him to get him on the roof and then of course immediately when he gets up there it starts to pour rain so date is not very happy with kate no 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 he comes walking down soaking wet he sees kate and then we randomly cut to a old movie of A husband choking his wife. Yeah. Well, because not only did they use, like, clips of other things sometimes in, like, the hacking sequences, but they used certain clips and stuff to symbolize Dade's daydreams. So it'll just kind of pop up out of nowhere and then go away. It might seem, the way I'm explaining it, kind of, like, out of pocket like it doesn't fit but i kind of think it does just because all the editing in this movie is super choppy and like it's very 90s admittedly like if we saw a movie like this now it would be a hot fucking mess but i think this film and its its style is like a time capsule of the 90s that's why i really dig it yeah i I could see it being a time it's just ultra 90s oh it definitely is ultra 90s It's like 90s on crack, basically. Yeah, oh, definitely. So Dade also meets a couple of other kids who just also happen to be hackers. He meets Freak, played by Renale Santiago. He meets Joey, played by Jesse Bradford. Joey is like, in the group of friends that they have, he's like somebody's kid brother. Like, mom told us we have to hang out with him too you know what i mean like he's the youngest he actually i think was the only one out of the group of friends actors wise that was actually a high school age kid jesse bradford was 16 years old at the time of filming he was the love interest in bring it on i know him as the lead in um clock stoppers <laughs> in zach's world things didn't move fast enough until he discovered let's just say that uh, it was possible to accelerate your molecular structure until the rest of the world seemed as if it were standing still hyper time wow clock stop you're bringing in clock stoppers if you don't know that it's like a fucking shitty nickelodeon movie from like i think the early 2000s i only know it and i watched it a lot as a kid because i was a big time travel nerd because you know back to the future so, oh <laughs> boy, Joey 
they start off the arc where he doesn't have a moniker in the beginning of the movie because he's a young, stupid kid and he just kind of started hacking. They set that up like it was going to be resolved by the end of the movie, like he was going to get a moniker. But uh, spoiler alert, he never does. <laughs> so just kind of throw that away. <laughs> we're going to give him a moniker at the end because I have two possible monikers. Oh, OK. I'm excited to hear that. OK, we'll we'll get it at the end. He meets another hacker guy and his moniker is serial killer. And Freak explains like they call him that because he's Fruit Loops, like he's crazy. And he is. He's like a surfer dude and a hacker combined zoinks yeah yeah well (laughs) of course he's played by matthew lillard like i said before this was a year before he did scream so he was pretty young at this point but it doesn't look like a high school aged child but we'll let that go he's oh god he's meant to be the comic relief in this film he's fucking insane he did get quite a few chuckles out of me and then quite a few like what? <laughs> 1984, you're right, man. That's a typo. Orwell's here now. He's living large. We have no names, man. No names. We are nameless. <laughs> I don't know what the fuck you're talking about. Yeah, it was it was kind of funny just because he's so very weird. But um, Freak invites Dade to a club later on that night where all the cool kids hang out. And when he gets there, it's a weird fucking place that doesn't exist anywhere in real life, I would argue, ever. It's a combination of indoor skate park slash arcade slash dance club where they play all like electronic music, which now I think is a great time to discuss the score of this film. Oh, boy. Holy cannoli. It's like a combination of electronica house music and like tribal chanting rhythms it's weird but it's it's distinct (laughs) and that's i i dig it actually i don't mind it um it's it's distinct it's unique we love a unique style i don't think it's that unique i do i think a lot of club scenes have music like this see it's not just the club scene it's throughout the whole fucking movie. Again, very 90s, but I I like it. <laughs> okay. This film is an anomaly is what I'm trying to say, guys, okay? I'm I'm sure it's very confusing to everyone cuz I'm basically explaining to you why the movie isn't good, <laughs> but yet I'm saying that I like it. It doesn't make any sense, but it's it's just how I feel, okay? <laughs> so, when they're at this club, Dane sees Kate and he immediately gets all Twitter padded. She's playing an arcade game, and he immediately wants to challenge her. So he does, and we get a good glimpse of the visual effects in this movie and how shitty they are. Fucking Johnny Lee Miller in front of a green screen playing this stupid fucking video game. <laughs> now, this is before, like, home consoles, but there were still arcade consoles throughout the 90s and in the 80s. Like, Mortal Kombat has better graphics than this. Yeah, it's... And I'm not a video game person, but even I can recognize, like, this is bad. Like, it's really rough. Like, nobody would play this game religiously. I don't... <laughs> and it, it, they make it very apparent that Kate does play this game religiously. Yes, because Dade beats Kate's high score, and Freak is standing there, and he's like, Good job, dude. You beat her. No one's ever beat her before. You just made an enemy for life. <laughs> And Kate ends up riding off on a motorbike with this boy toy of hers. But like as 
they're getting ready to ride off. Her and Dave look at each other and give each other little flirty eyes. So you can tell they've got like a little connection. They've got that kind of thing in movies where like, I hate you, but I love you. That kind of thing. You know? uh, she also rides off without putting on her motorcycle helmet. Because she's she- a badass. <laughs> You know, you know, Scott, she's cool. Yeah, you're too cool for a helmet, man. Too cool. Too cool for safety. (laughs) So the next day, Dade decides he's going to get Kate back because, you know, he's like a little kid on the playground that wants to pull her hair instead of telling her he likes her. So he hacks into the school sprinkler system. And the next day during school, randomly in the hallway he just pulls out an umbrella and pulls it up and freak is standing there and he's like what are you doing and then all of a sudden the sprinklers in the school go off everyone's getting soaked and running around like crazy and kate's like what the fuck did you do like she goes up to date and is like what the hell and date's like oh i guess the pool on the roof sprung a leak And Freak is very impressed with his hacking skill. He's like, oh shit, this guy's good. <laughs> so we cut to Freak, serial killer, Dade, and Joey. And they're all hanging out and they're talking about hacking. Because that's all they do. They, they're they hackers and they talk about hacking and how cool it is to be a hacker. They're all ragging on Joey because Joey's like, but uh, come on guys. Like, come on. <laughs> yeah, he's like, I can hack into this bank and make this ATM spit out money. <laughs> and they're all like, what are you stoned or stupid? You don't hack a bank across state lines from your house. You get nailed by the FBI. Where are your brains in your ass? They're like giving Joey shit saying that he's not big leagues yet. You know, he's not an elite hacker yet. So Joey, later that night, when he's at home, you know, chilling in his bedroom with his computer, who he named Lucy, because that's normal, Joey decides he's going to hack into this big company supercomputer called the Gibson. And he gets into this supercomputer, and he's downloading a garbage file onto a floppy disk. Yeah, floppy disk (laughs) if you don't know what those are kids (laughs) it's a big old square thing that we used to put in computers (laughs) but anyway he's downloading the garbage file on this this floppy disk so he can show his friends and be like hey i hacked into the computer see but halfway through the download his mother comes in the room because you know he's like a baby comes into the room and unplugs the computer so he only got like half the garbage file But Joey takes the fragmented garbage file on the floppy disk and he ends up hiding it in the ceiling of his bedroom. He like pulls out a tile in the ceiling and hides it in like a little crawl space or something. Meanwhile, at the company, the big old company that has the supercomputer, a guy that works in like the security department, played by Penn Gillette, he calls the security advisor for the company whose name is Eugene, but he's a former hacker, so he's got a little fucking moniker, too. He likes to be called the Plague. Ooh, how fucking badass are you? Well, let's (laughs) see. He's got dark, slick back hair. He's got a goatee. He's our villain, I'm guessing. Scott, you are so smart. You are an expert in 90s bullshit. (laughs) Yes. So this gentleman, the Plague is played by Fisher Stevens. And he's actually appeared on Shoot the Flick before. Oh, has he? He played one of the henchmen in Super Mario Brothers 
that movie. Oh, God, he was... Uh, he played one of them. I don't know which one, but one of those little henchmen. He's been in a lot of things. He's like one of those character actors, but he's pretty well known as the offensive Indian stereotype in Short Circuit. Did you ever see that movie? As we're fond of saying in my country, marketplace makes dull home for rodents. Where are you from, anyway? Bakersfield, originally. No, I mean your ancestors. Oh, damn. Pittsburgh. That old 80s movie about the robot. Was that Johnny Five is still alive? Yeah, Johnny Five, that's what it is. Johnny Five is still alive. Yeah, that fucking movie. Yeah, he goes to the company. He goes to Penn Jillette, and he's trying to like figure out what the hell happened and what's going on with the computer. So then we cut to Freak and Serial take Dade to meet another hacker by the name of Nikon. And why is he called Nikon? Because he's got a photographic memory. Ah. <laughs> How is this movie not sponsored? Oh, my God. But he's played by a Mr. Lawrence Mason. And they are hanging out watching TV. First, they watch a news story about hackers, basically. This Secret Service head, his name is Agent Gill, and he's talking on the news about how hackers are a menace. evil. They're a menace to society. And then they switch to... Oh, I, I don't think they switch. I think they hack into the station that Agent Gill is on and replace the feed. Because I think they... Oh, yeah. No, I think you're right, too. Because they count it, it down. Just pops, yeah, it just pops up. They have the tendency to do that. Anyway, these two young Asian gentlemen with, like, pounds of makeup on their face and, you know, cyberpunk aesthetic. Their names are Razor and Blade. And they're like, what? <laughs> and meet Razor. Laser. Allow me the pleasure of introducing you to Blade. Laser. Blazer. And they are hosting this show all about hackers. The show is called Hack the Planet. And they just, it's basically just a bunch of mumbo jumbo, them talking about how cool hackers are. And it seems like an unimportant little aspect of the film, but don't worry. Razor and Blade come back later, so we have to introduce them now. So, as they're sitting in Nikon's place watching TV, Joey is at home, taking a little shower, singing his little heart out. With headphones on. That are did he have headphones on? He did. They were covered in plastic wrap. Oh, I didn't even notice that. <laughs> like, what? what a genius. <laughs> anyway... It's so ridiculous. Um, as he is exiting the shower, he is bombarded by Secret Service agents with guns and shit, and they arrest him. So Joey gets arrested, and you're like, holy shit, what the fuck? Because it is like a very... It's a crazy scene, because it's just like a swarm of agents with guns on him, screaming at him. Like, it's it's a lot. So the group of agents arresting... Joey. Joey was headed by Agent Gill with the assistance of his partner, Agent Ray, who, fun fact, was played by Mark Anthony. Who is primarily a singer, but in the 90s, early 2000s, he did a bunch of acting roles for some reason. Apparently, he's supposed to be in the In the Heights movie, too which was supposed to come out this year, but it's coming out next year. I don't know, but 
Yeah, I didn't know he acted before. I, I remember seeing him in this movie and being very confused. I was like, oh, that's Mark Anthony. Okay. So <laughs> the next scene is the plague. Talking to the board at this company with the supercomputer. It's like a, they don't really flat out say what the company is, but I think it's like an oil and... I think they have their hands in a lot of Yeah, things. it's like a lot of shit. I don't know. But they control oil tankers. That's really the main thing you need to know. Plague goes to these company people, including a character by the name of Margot, played by Lorraine Bracco, who also has been on Shoot the Flick before. Five years before, Prior to this movie, she was in Goodfellas. A much better role for her. She's very annoying in this movie because she she's romantically involved with the plague. He knows a lot about computers and she knows nothing about computers. So the majority of her dialogue is her asking what the fuck he's doing with all his computer shit. Uh, they're having a conversation randomly at one point and you could tell that... They recorded Lorraine Bracco's lines later because she's never facing the screen. You clearly just dubbed her lines in here. They're also, just to get off track a little bit, there's a lot of dubbing in this film. There was one point also where Angelina Jolie and Johnny Lee Miller are having a conversation and she clearly says the word fuck, but they dubbed it over with the word screw. I don't know why. You gotta save the rating, dear. I guess, yeah. What is it? Probably PG-13, I would assume. So, during this business meeting that they're having, the plague tells this board of directors that the hacker that got into the supercomputer, he put a virus in the computer that will ultimately capsize an oil tanker that they own or something like that. Yeah, it, it will It will fill the tanks in, to a certain point where they will flip over, right, causing yeah. a disaster environmentally. Which we just saw that Joey didn't do that. So we're right. Like, hmm. So they're like, what the fuck? So it turns out that the plague actually set up this virus and put it in the supercomputer as a red herring to distract from the garbage file being taken. Because in reality, the plague in cahoots with Margot put a worm in the garbage file, hidden yeah. in the garbage file. And what the worm does is it basically embezzles money from the company slowly yeah. but surely over a certain amount of time. And their big evil plan was at the end of a certain amount of time, take all the money they embezzled and like run away into the sunset together. But the problem is that now Joey got some of this file. So he made this virus to get the secret service on the situation so they could find the hacker and, and get the file back. The feds who have taken joey they look through his computer and everything and they can't find any information from the supercomputer so they let him go but his mom grounds him indefinitely and says he can't hang out with his little computer friends anymore so joey for a while is out of the movie he doesn't really come back till towards the end of the film he turned my baby into a criminal but now the plague is pissed off because he can't find this fucking file so the secret service is working in conjunction with the plague and they find out that dade murphy is friends with joey he's in the same town as him and he's also a hacker with a record so 
they go to Dade's house. The Secret Service barges in and the plague is there with them, which I feel like wouldn't happen in real life. Like, no. I feel like a civilian wouldn't be able to participate so closely in a Secret Service investigation. But what do I know? They don't find anything in Dade's place because he doesn't know anything about it. But they're like, hey, we know you're friends with Joey. We want you to help us figure out what's going on here yeah. and how to stop this virus. Yes. So the plague ends up getting Dade alone in his bedroom, which, again, I don't think would happen. I don't think the Secret Service would just leave the supposed victim of cyber terrorism alone yeah. with a hacker. Yeah, I don't think the head of I don't think that makes any sense. Because he, <laughs> the plague walks them out of the room and says, I got this. And closes yeah. the door. It's, it's really dumb, but like I'm willing to let it go. Because it's whatever. Just suspend your disbelief for a second, okay? Because the plague talks to Dade and he's like, listen, I'm really impressed with you. Zero cool. I, you know, I can't believe you're only 11 when you did all that little fucking hacks. Like, you're crazy. Oh, my God, you're a genius. Listen, you, we can help each other. You can help me. I can help you. And Dade's like, how about new, you crazy Dutch bastard? Plague takes a baseball bat and smashes his radio and is like, I'll be in touch and leaves. And I'm like, uh, okay. Like, I mean, he had to do villainy things. But again, the Secret Service is right outside the door. It's like, why? Okay. Yeah, let's just break this kid's radio. I feel like that's a problem somewhere. Somewhere this is a problem. But like, he's a hacker, so they don't really give a shit about him. What are they going to do? Charge the guy with like... Destruction of property? Destruction of property? No. He's just trying to stop this virus from destroying our environment. Captain Planet, he's a hero. Okay. Then later, we get the first of the weird dream sequences in this movie. Oh, God, yeah. Dade has a weird sex dream about Kate. She just barges into her, his bedroom, starts making out with him, and, like, takes her top off and everything. So, and she unzips a leather jacket. Yeah, to reveal nothing underneath. Because she's cool, and she wears leather jackets with nothing underneath. <laughs> of course. And as she's making out with him... The Secret Service comes in, scoops her up, takes her out of the room. Another Secret Service guy comes in and handcuffs Dade. And then he wakes up in a cold sweat and it's a whole thing. Then we move on to everyone's at Kate's house now because they're having a party. And for some reason at this party, Mark Anthony who is the agent ray or whatever he's undercover at this party but nothing comes of it like they literally show mark anthony in like a fucking hawaiian t-shirt for some reason and sunglasses because that matches the aesthetic of all the other kids at this party sure everyone else is dressed like a cyberpunk and you're dressed like you're fucking from weekend at bernie's okay whatever sweetie we also in this scene learn well we, we learned this a little beforehand but kate's mother is like a self-help writer yes. that is apparently famous. Like she wrote like almost like chicken soup for the soul. Yeah, but it's kind of like a lot nastier in tone. Earlier in the movie, Kate is in like a lit class and the teacher's like, share like a 
quote from your favorite contemporary author and she does a quote from one of her mom's books if i can find the quote i'll put it here god gave men brains larger than dogs so they wouldn't hump women's legs at cocktail parties (laughs) so she's rich essentially like later on they are in kate's room and she has this cool laptop with all these bells and whistles implying that she's pretty rich and she can afford all these crazy things but this is where dade and kate because they are still having their little cutesy flirty slash annoyance hating thing going on they find out that kate is acid burn and dade is crash override so they are the two hackers that have been fucking with each other this whole time isn't that hilarious so after this big discovery dade and kate end up making a bet basically trying to figure out who's the better hacker and kate's like if i win you get to be my slave and do all my grunt work like scanning and filing for computer stuff and you know all the boring shit and if dade wins he wants a date with kate and she's like haha that ain't gonna happen so the other guys in the gang they set up the stakes for this bet they have to go back and forth and each do something to mess with agent gill so they they do just that they go back and forth they cancel his credit cards they create fake online ads they manufacture like a fake criminal record so he gets arrested and then the last piece de resistance is dade goes into the police payroll system and puts in that Gil is deceased. <laughs> so when, when Gil calls his superiors to ask what's going something's going on with his payroll, they're like, yeah, Agent Gil is deceased. And he's like, I'm what? <laughs> so oh, it's like they keep fucking with this guy. And then at the end of it, Kate and Dade are both tied. And Dade decides he's going to up the stakes with this last round and he says if i win you wear a dress on our date and kate says if i win so do you boy that escalated quickly you do see in the next scene she has a weird dream at first you think it's dade's dream because it's just like red leather dress hands touching you know i think it's gonna be like a sexy angelina jolie shot but in reality, you pan up and it's Dade in a red leather dress <laughs> in bed. And then immediately Angelina Jolie perks up out of bed. So oh, they're both oh. having weird sex dreams about each other. Well, it's not even just... It's, she perks up and she's like shocked at first and she goes... Oh, yeah. And then and she's like, like a into smile. it. Oh, yeah. She's into it. I also want to bring up in this hacking competition they have, they hack in like weird places. Like at one point they're on they, top of a building. Yeah. they. The idea, I guess, is to throw off the feds or whatever you know what else would throw off the feds if they had a vpn you know oh my god we're not sponsored by (laughs) express vpn (laughs) unfortunately we are one of the only fucking entities on the internet slash youtube slash podcast that aren't sponsored by vpn (laughs) (laughs) oh god that would have been great for this episode though so we basically leave the duel at a tie for the moment anyway because um shit starts to get really real at this point oh god so we get a weird thing with dade he gets a package in the mail 
and he opens this package and it's a little baby laptop and he opens a little baby laptop and it's just a video essentially of plague in front of a white background and he's just talking really over the top like I want you to join me and if you don't I'm going to ruin you like over the top villainous enunciation when I watched this growing up I never really thought much about the details behind this but watching it now it just I couldn't help but think about how long did it take you to film this video where did you do it did you like film it in your bathroom and then like send it on this laptop and then send it to this 18 year old boy what is your plan here because essentially he doesn't really say much he just tries to intimidate him but like you did that already at his own house in person so why are you going through all this trouble (laughs) to send him a laptop I don't know it just seems like overkill but then again this whole movie is basically overkill central so i'm not surprised at all what could have worked here and if the plague is such a good hacker as he is led on to be why not just hack into his computer and just show up on his computer right that would make more sense but no he puts the file of him talking nonsense on a laptop that he then sends to this child which i mean if i were him i'd be like hey thanks for the free laptop but what do i know <laughs> and then um yeah and then he just like talks nonsense for 10 minutes it's just it's weird but it's funny enough to be entertaining for me anyway yeah it's definitely funny it's it's another weird choice in a, in a overall weird movie i mean overall yes this film is very weird but i would argue that the style is consistent throughout and it really sets the world up good like you know you kind of fall into this crazy bizarro world i think which i think is what keeps you going throughout the movie it's similar to moulin rouge in that way where it kind of obviously nothing in moulin rouge would actually happen in real life but i mean musicals in general are kind of fantastical in that way but i digress Wait, you're telling me there's not hackers hacking into the world? Hack the planet! (laughs) Hack the planet! (laughs) Yes, every whenever you see someone just chilling in like a phone booth, they're hacking into like world-renowned businesses and New York Stock Exchange, and they're they're taking over the world. That was my favorite because we we read some of the reviews before this, and (laughs) somebody was like. Oh, yes, we should stop using payphones immediately because hackers are using the dial-up modem to hack into supercomputers. Fun. But anyway, so we then cut to Joey kind of going stir-crazy in his bedroom, and his mom comes in the room, and she feels all bad. She's like, oh, you poor baby. Okay, you're free to go. I release you from the house. You're not grounded anymore. And Scott was perturbed by this. He was like, she's just going to let him off the hook? (laughs) He just had the whole thing about committing a federal offense. (laughs) I I guess Scott is going to be the bad cop in this parenting situation. I mean, come on, Scott. If our child commits a federal offense, you're not going to let him off the hook after a few weeks? (laughs) (laughs) No, I'm just going to... You know what, son? Go ahead. I don't even know if it was a few weeks. It might have just been like a few days. Like... (laughs) 
I don't know. It's weird. I feel like if I got arrested by the fucking Secret Service at 16 years old, I would never leave the house again. Like, I would be under lock and key for the rest of my childhood life. But, again, what do I know? (laughs) I'm nobody's mother. (laughs) Anyway. Well, you are somebody's mother. You're Leia's mother. Oh, that's true, my baby Leia. She's such a good girl. She's the best puppy in the whole land. She keeps trying to implore us to do a dog-centric movie on our next episode. Oh yes, she, she's imploring us. <laughs> but I, you know, I'm ch- I'm trying to find the right one. We'll we'll do something someday. We'll have Leon as a guest. Basically, she'll just interject with occasional barks, and <laughs> that'll be it. We'll ask her what her rating is for the film, whatever it is, and the amount of barks she gives is the amount of stars that the film will have. <laughs> she's very smart. I I believe she could do it. She doesn't bark that much, though. That's true. Well, she was barking in her sleep today. It was the cutest thing I ever did see. I know we're getting (laughs) off topic again, but my dog is adorable and I have to talk about her. So we were chilling in our bedroom. The dog was laying on our bed. Neither one of us were on the bed, mind you. The dog has taken over our lives. (laughs) She is lying on our bed when we are not on the bed (laughs) and doing other things. But anyway, she's lying on the bed and all of a sudden we hear her like really soft like and we look over and she's just sleeping like jolting like and we're like oh are you chasing a squirrel <laughs> squirrel oh uh. it was the cutest thing anywho sorry back to this fucking movie that is driving everybody crazy mostly scott so now that joey has been released from mommy prison he immediately goes to see freak with the floppy disk. Yes, he grabs the floppy disk and he gives it to Freak and he's like, listen, I don't know what's on this, but this is what they arrested me for. Can you figure out what's on here? I don't know. And immediately Freak notices that Joey is being followed. So Freak takes the file and they split up and Freak goes through the school, the high school, and he hides the floppy disk in the boys' bathroom at the school. Yeah, this is another moment because randomly throughout this movie... Everybody's rollerblading. Oh, yes. Let's. Oh, my God. Let's talk about this. So, (laughs) you know how, like, in the 90s, everything was extreme. (laughs) And, you know, everyone was either skating on skateboards or rollerblades or, like, whatever. Like, fucking extremely goofy movie was set at the fucking X Games why i don't know but it was like it was just a thing in like the 90s early 2000s uh wasn't that electric tube boogaloo also like a skate movie i have no fucking idea i've never actually seen that i just i just know that's a title that exists (laughs) that's what i like doing that like for anything that i joke about a sequel i'm like you know fucking schindler's list 2 electric boogaloo you know that kind of thing imagine that (laughs) Schindler's back and he's on roller skates. (laughs) That's terrible. If we have any fans out there who have like good Photoshop skills, can you put Schindler? That would actually be the sickest thing. Schindler on roller skates on a poster and just send it to us. That would be horrible. We would would shout you out. Horlarious, as I like to say. Anywho, let's talk about the roller skating. In several points in the film, our main characters are roller skating to get to and fro, but it's not even just like traveling, going places like 
they'll be in a room having a conversation with another character and they'll like just roller skate to the other side of the room and then roller skate back when they're in the state like they're in a room having a conversation like it's just so weird and it's like why are you doing that (laughs) like why was this the choice i guess it's just because like having characters glide across the floor is looks cooler than having them walk i i don't know scott but in the movie's defense as a dumb teenager i thought it was cool (laughs) you know what counterculture we don't walk we glide (laughs) oh my god that reminds me of a jack whitehall fucking skit i was like oh my god sir you are a fool when jack whitehall is on stage he does not walk he glides Oh God. I, I just think of when because we grew up when Heelys became popular. Yeah, that's true. So I think of like uh, our friend like Anthony Torn Benny gliding down the hallway in Heelys. Yeah, but that's basically what it is. It's just like 90s Heelys. I don't know. It's it's weird. But after Freak hides away the file, he goes home, goes to sleep, and the next morning boom the fucking secret service rush into his bedroom and arrest him uh well correction they let his mom beat on him and he yells to be arrested oh yeah the mom (laughs) the mom is like pissed because the secret service officers are like you're being arrested for hacking you know cyber terrorism blah 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 and the mom, she's like a typical stereotype of like a Latina mom. And she just starts hitting Freak and like screaming at him in Spanish. And Freak is just like, what are you waiting for? Arrest me already. <laughs> <laughs> that was kind of funny. Um, but then they take Freak to jail because they think he's like the main guy behind the ha- the hacking and the virus. And he gets his one phone call and he calls Kate and it's like, I'm in jail. I don't know what the fuck's going on, but whatever Joey got on this file, it's something big. And he says, it's in that place where I hid that thing that time. <laughs> Which I always liked that line when I was young. I thought that was a funny line. Okay. He's just quick like, it was in that thing that I put that place that time. <laughs> so then Kate goes to the boys' bathroom at the school, grabs the floppy disk. Her and Cereal go to Dade's house. And they're like, hey we need you to help us. We need to figure out what's on this disc because Joey and freak are being framed for something. We need to know what's going on. Dade is like, I'm sorry. I can't, I I can't afford to get arrested. Like I can't, I can't be a part of this. And Kate pulls him aside and basically really begs him. She's like, listen, can you at least make a copy for us so we can have a copy of our own set aside that we can give to our lawyers if shit gets bad. So Dade's like, fine, I'll make a copy. He, he makes a copy and gives the original back to Kate. And they leave. Plague, that night, after that, calls Dade and is like, I know the girl has the file. And Dade's like, no, what are you talking about? No. And he's like, listen, you better fucking play along with me. Because if you don't, I'm going to fuck up your life. And he's like, what do you mean? And the play explains take change your laptop so it can accept sent files and he's like okay i didn't know there was a way to make laptops not able to send fi- like accept sent files yeah that's okay. stupid but continue so play sends him his mother's 
like file and it's changed to the fact that she is an embezzler. She like yeah. the fraud. And the moment she goes into work tomorrow, she's going to be arrested and uh, put in prison for like a bajillion years. Yeah. And Dade is freaked out because it's it is a nice relationship that is set up between him and his mom because it they we find out at this point that like Dade's parents were divorced and they got back together and then got divorced again and Dade chose to live with the mom they're very close and throughout the movie before shit got real you know mom's like you know you should apply to colleges you know you gotta move on with your life and uh, she sees Dade all like upset about like in the beginning when he got pranked in the beginning of the movie he's all upset and the mom's like oh so who is she what's the girl's name and he's like no like it's not like that they have a really close bond it's established so when the mom is being threatened he is obviously very concerned so he reluctantly agrees fine i'll give you the copy of the disc i have a copy of it i'll give it to you they meet like this shady like alleyway and the plague kind of he's skating alongside a car and then he grabs the disc out of Dade's hands and skates away again on the side of the car it's very back to the future too and we're like on the hoverboard on the side of the car it's weird and it's not really necessary but again this whole movie does weird unnecessary things because they want to look cool you know well, also while Dade is waiting there's four time-lapse cuts. Yeah, well, because they want to imply that he's waiting there for this guy yeah, forever. I just feel like it was like, okay, come on. <laughs> like, really, we're going to do this? <laughs> uh, yeah, I mean, granted, there are a lot of weird editing choices. A lot of weird cinematography choices as well. We didn't even mention, but the cinematographer for this, his name is Andrzej Sekula. He's a Polish cinematographer who also did the cinematography for Reservoir Dogs. Pulp Fiction, and American Psycho. Oh. So he is a very well-renowned cinematographer. And I don't think... But all those movies also have, like, interesting choices with the cinematography. Right, exactly. Like, I don't think necessarily the, the shot choices are bad. I think they're very unique. But I think a lot of the weirdness comes from just the aesthetic of the movie and, like, the editing. Oh, the editing is all over the place but i think also i think the aesthetic is weird mostly because i think even in the 90s it was over the top but now especially it's super over the top no no kid dressed like this i feel like in real life in the 90s like no kid dressed like a fucking super duper cyberpunk it's just if you're trying to be this underground culture yeah i don't know that doesn't want to be found out Oh, hey, who could the hacker be? Is it the guy wearing the weird vest? <laughs> yeah, maybe you should be a little more conspicuous, bro. But just, you know, just my opinion. Again, I'm not an expert, not a hacker. You're not elite? I'm not I'm not elite like that, but what, what can I say? After Dade hands over the copy of the disc, Dade goes and meets with the rest of the gang, and they're looking at the disc, too, trying to figure out what the fuck... But Dade gets his hands on it and he really looks inside the disc and he realizes that the garbage file contains a worm and the virus was just a red herring. So he kind of figures out 
the play's little plot. And the, the rest of the gang is like, I don't know what, how this is, ha- who's behind all this. We got to figure out who's behind all this. And Dade's like, I know. It's this security guy at the company. I just gave him a copy of the disc. And they're all like, what? Why did you do that? <laughs> and he never mentions that they threatened his mom. I feel like that's a decent excuse, but they never mentioned that. No, they, they mentioned the fact that he is zero cool. Yes, he does confess his past because Kate is like, why did they go to you of all people? Because in their mind, he's an amateur. He's nobody because they've never heard of Crash Override. They don't know who the fuck that is. But he confesses that he's zero cool and Nikon looks over at him and he's like Zero cool? Crash fifteen hundred and seven systems in one day? Biggest crash in history. Front page New York Times, August tenth, nineteen eighty eight. I thought you was black, man. And they're all like excited. But Kate's pissed. He's like she's like, Well, what the fuck are we gonna do now? And Dade suggests that we have to hack into the Gibson computer. We have to hack into the supercomputer ourselves, download the whole file, and that way we have evidence and we have to try to hack in and destroy the yes. supercomputer. So they, that's the plan. They're, they all have this plan to come together and hack the planet, <laughs> basically. And funnily enough, earlier in the film when when the plague is talking to Dade originally in the bedroom, he's saying to him, like, you know, I, I used, I'm a hacker too. You know, us hackers, we're different than normal people. You know, we don't, there's no such thing as family or friendships or anything like that. We we're lone wolves. We do our own thing. And now it kind of comes around because going into the third act, Everyone's working together. Everyone is banding together because the only way they can get this done, because the supercomputer is so huge and this company is too big to fail, you know, that whole thing. The only way they can get it done is together. Yes. This is the only part of the movie. We're all in this together. <laughs> You're welcome. No. Uh <laughs> The only part of the, this is the only part of the movie where I was like, okay, we're getting a little, a little too far. Where I'm not, we have this whole espionage sequence where Dade and Kate uh, are stealing files that are being thrown out. Kate shoots at a security guard with a flare gun. Because, you know, everyone owns a flare gun, right? Well, <laughs> Just has a flare gun on their person. Uh, well, serial killer and Nikon are dressing up as repairmen, breaking into this office to do repairs uh, for the Secret Service. And they're recording the Secret Service's phone line. Right, they tap into the Secret Service. I'm like, this the, This is the one section of the movie where I'm like, okay, it, it is you're 18-year-old. Yeah, and I mean, even if they could do it, it doesn't seem really wise. If you're being uh, chased, essentially, by the Secret Service to hack into the Secret Service and like go physically go into the Secret Service building and tap their phones, it doesn't seem like the wisest idea, but uh, movie, movie has to happen, Scott. Um, so anyway, cut to the plague talking to Margot and they have the file now. So they know that these kids, 
don't have the full garbage file, but they have enough information to implicate them in this whole scheme. So the plague plans on launching the Da Vinci virus in order to frame all these hacker kids for everything while he and Margot escape with all the worm money and go to parts unknown. So he calls Agent Gill and is like, hey, these these kids are attacking us still. They launched this virus. I don't know what the fuck to do. You better f- like figure this out and find them or I'm going to hold you responsible. So Agent Gill puts out arrest warrants on Kate, Serial, Dade, and Nikon. And Serial and Nikon hear all this because they tap the fucking phones. So now they all know like they're on to us. We're going to get arrested tomorrow if we got to figure something out. So they figure out the the scheme the part of the scheme with the virus and it it'll capsize the oil tankers and environmental catastrophe and it all gets blamed on the hackers they figure all this out and kate's like okay serial and icon you lay low me and date are gonna go and get some more help from from somebody else so they go off and serial as they go off goes May the force be with you. Ah. And also, there is... It's not a reference to Star Wars, but... It's something that happens in a little bit. That kind of reminded me of Star Wars. A Star Wars movie that we both know and hate. I'll get to that in a minute. So, Kate and Dade go to see... You guessed it. Razor and Blade, remember? (laughs) Razor. Laser. <laughs> and Michelle. Oh, boy. They go to Razor and Blade for help. And at first they're like, oh, no, we're too busy to help you with your little problem. Uh, a major TV network is interested in our show, and we're just, we're just too busy being cool hackers that are too cool for school. And eventually they acquiesce, and they're like, okay, we'll help you. You know what would be the best idea is if you send out a distress signal to hackers all around the world to help you. And that immediately reminded me of Rise of Skywalker. (laughs) Because when they send out the distress signal for the rebellion, and then at the end, all these rebel ships come. I don't know why it just made me think of everywhere around the world they come into america (laughs) jesus okay let's let's walk away from that um but yes um so the next day so now they have razor and blade and essentially all hackers everywhere on their side hack the planet so um the next day the four of them meet up in in the city. They're rollerblading, of course, through the city. And they are evading the Secret Service, who is right on their ass, by hacking the traffic lights. And this is another point, I think, where you were like, that is not even possible. Yeah, they, they hack every traffic light, so all the traffic lights keep, like, turn green. I'm like, I don't think this is possible. Especially in, a, in New York City. There is no way... That one singular location controls every traffic light in New York City. 1776. New York City. 
That's my Hamilton reference of the episode. We got away with it one episode, ladies and gentlemen. We couldn't get away with it the so, second one. I was one. so <laughs> out of sorts the last episode that I forgot to make a Hamilton reference. Even though in that episode I referenced my Hamilton references. I don't know, guys. I was just sleeping on the job that day. But anywho... So eventually they all go to Grand Central Station and Joey also meets them there at Grand Central and they go to like this cluster of pay phones and they set up their little thing and they send cereal out to do something with the phones. I don't know. They don't really make it clear like why they send him out. It basically they just need to get rid of cereal because later he's important for something else. So <laughs> they send cereal away to do something. And the rest of them are all on the payphones, and they start hacking into the Gibson. They eventually get in, and they're looking for the garbage file. The plague is at the company with the supercomputer with Margot and Pendulette, because Pendulette is in this movie. Did you forget? Don't worry, I reminded you. And they're all, like, trying to fight off the hackers. And eventually, Dade finds the garbage file, but then gets kicked out. And everyone else has gotten kicked out at this point except for Joey. Joey's the last man standing. Our, our little Joey, our little boy is growing up. And Dade helps him uh, get into the garbage file. And he downloads the whole file onto a floppy disk. And during the sequence, I, I actually love the sequence because they have, like, it's a very heavy electronica sequence where they're all on the pay phones trying to hack and shit. And uh, as it goes on and on and the plague is fighting them off and everything, it gets more intense, the music. And at one point, they do a thing where they show each of the hackers in the payphone booth and they're like slowly spinning the... <laughs> the fucking phone booths and it's like a whole montage of the hackers like get spinning in the fucking phone booths and hacking graphic stuff everywhere yeah. it's a fucking hot mess but it's fucking great i think <laughs> i think one of the funniest parts of this is i think angelina jolie was not feeling the spinning because you could clearly tell her eyes are like closed like yeah 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 i'm like so Angelina Jolie was probably close to puking here. Oh jeez. <laughs> well, yeah, I think if like if you ever had to do a scene like this, you would. Oh, I would puke. Yeah, Scott's not good with spinny rides. We we learned that lesson. Yeah. Uh, a few years ago, when we went to Hershey Park, <laughs> and he went on the laugh track, and then went on a roller coaster right after, and just like <laughs> upchucked. Yeah. It was it was a bit of a mess, but even on like chiller rides. If they spin even a little bit, you don't hang with that. I don't spin. I mean, little pussy. No, I'm kidding. I don't have the stomach. Aww. <laughs> uh, but no, it, yeah, they, they, they're spinning. One of my favorite points of this, though, is every time like they're hacking into things, like numbers are like flying on the screen. They go to like real close-ups of like the screen, like shining on their faces with the numbers like yeah. flying uh -huh. by. Yeah. Uh, I do think it's like a cool looking shot. Though. It's so ridiculous. I mean, it's it's totally overplayed now because uh, there have been like a million and one movies about like hackers and like it's all the same shit essentially. But I feel like this movie really kind of like dug into that. It's just so like there's that thing. You know? There are points where like they get the file and then like, it's like a DNA sequence like lining up. I'm like, oh god, we're really it's, doing it's this. It's super over. It's basically what I'm sure like you know middle-aged white men thought that 
young teenage slash kids in their 20s hackers looked like and did it's just you know it's nonsense but um it's it's fun nonsense it's cheesy nonsense yes it's and i love cheesy. it i'm a big old cheese ball and i love cheesy things i love mac and cheese i love cheese doodles i love cheesy films i love it all give me the cheese it ain't easy being cheesy call me mouse for i love the cheese Anywho. Don't, don't call her mouse don't, don't do it <laughs> They finally they get the file, they get the garbage file out, and they manage with all the help of the international hackers all around the world, they all join in and they defeat the plague and they crash the supercomputer and stopping the oil spill. Right. And the day is saved. And Right as they are about to flee, the Secret Service shows up, pointing their guns, and they all get arrested. Um, and Dade, who has the file hidden, as he's being arrested and walking out of Grand Central, he manages to throw the floppy disk into a nearby garbage can. Which I call bullshit. He did. He called it very loudly, guys. It was it was a very he, loud call of bullshit. He has the his hands are handcuffed behind his back. He has the disc and he lobs it into one of those ones that have four open sides but have a top. There is no way he made that shot perfectly. I do not care. Listen, <laughs> he's nimble. He's got really nimble fingers, all that typing and shit. He just whoop. Yeah, okay. it's all in the wrist, as Chubbs would say. It's all. Oh no, it's all in the, the hips. hips. It's all in the hips. My bad. It is all in the hips. That's true. Ask Angelina Jolie. That's true. <laughs> but anyway, um, so they all get arrested and they're getting put into the cop cars outside, and there's a big crowd outside. Um, you know, because there's a lot of commotion, and cereal is out there amongst the crowd. And Dade sees him and he starts screaming, they're trashing us. They're trashing the planet. They're trashing it. Trying to send a signal to, to, to Serial that the file's in the trash, the trash, the trash. So, and you see Serial and he kind of does like a little inner nod of like acknowledgement. Like, oh, okay, I got it. And then. Um, Which, by the way, there's no way Serial got Yeah, that. it's a stretch. <laughs> to be fair, it's a stretch. But um, yeah, they they're putting Dade in the cop car, and he's just screaming at the window. Hide the planet! Hide the planet! Shut up and get in the car. Hide the planet! Hide the planet! Hack the planet! And then, of course, Serial goes like, "Hack the planet!" Yeah, it's like a, it's a very um, I'm Spartacus. Yeah, it's a very like Spartacus moment. But uh, they're at the police station. And Dade and Kate are being interviewed or interrogated, I should say, by Agent Gill. And Dade is trying to push all the blame onto himself and save Kate. He's like, she's just my girlfriend. She doesn't know shit about computers. You know, she's nobody. And he's like, you're in deep shit, sweetie. Like, you better fucking get your shit together and tell me the truth because otherwise you're fucked. And he leaves the room and Kate's like, what are you doing? He's like, I'm trying to fucking help you. Shut up. (laughs) And she thanks him and they have a nice little moment. But the mom has like her kind of uh, big like come around moment. Gil is interviewing her and 
they can hear it. Somehow they patch into the room where she's being interviewed. Sure. Because, I don't know, they're hackers. I don't know, whatever. But she's being interviewed by Gil. And Gil tells her, like, your son is going to be charged with multiple felonies. He tried to commit huge environmental crimes and da-da-da-da-da. Because the oil tanker, you know. And his mom vehemently defends him he's like my son is a fucking genius and he understands the world in ways that you never will if you live to be a hundred and he would never use what he knows to harm anyone so fuck you and he threatens Gil threatens to arrest her on uh charges of like interfering or something with an investigation or whatever and He's like, you'll face certain prison sentence. And she's like, mister, I don't care if I face certain death. And I'm like, oh, yeah. And the kids are like in the room listening. And they're like all like, they're all Twitter padded. Yeah. They're like, oh, mom. Yeah, Kate looks at him and goes, your mom's badass. Yeah, it was a nice little moment. But then right when they feel that all is lost, the news crews come in to speak to Gil to talk to him about this big bust and how cyber terrorist these hackers are. And then all of a sudden, as the newscast is beginning, the TV goes... And up pops Serial's big-ass mug. And he is in Razor and Blade's TV studio. And he's being transmitted out to every TV everywhere in the world, supposedly. I mean, they cut to, obviously, the TV in the police station. But they cut to, like, the big TV in Times Square. And, you know, like, different countries. He's everywhere. He's on Plague's TV as Plague is having sex with... With Margo, like, a victory lap, I guess. Uh, (laughs) But Serial basically just vomits the whole scheme and says how he has all the proof and Blake and Margo are the bad guys and the hackers were being framed. So everyone's happy. All the hackers are like, well, everyone, but Gil. Oh, well, yeah. Well, Gil's pissed because he's got to let them go now. And he's been working with the fucking guy that started this whole fucking mess. Like he looks like an idiot. So after serial reveals this whole scheme, Plague flees. He tries to run like on his own. He leaves Margo in the dust. Margo ends up getting arrested. But Plague ends up on a plane with like this obvious disguise on. He's got like an an old white haired like wig and a really obnoxiously fake gray beard on. It's ridiculous looking. But he's on a plane supposedly to like Japan to flee and the Secret Service catches him before the plane like, is it on the plane? They, they catch him on the plane in the air. They catch him on the plane while it's in the air. And his last line is... Which, um, if you're on the plane, why would you not go and get him while you're on the ground? That doesn't make sense either. But, again, I'll let it go. Suspension of disbelief. And his last line is, I'll never fly this airline again! But then, we finally get our ending scene. And that is with Kate and Dade on their first date. And Kate is wearing a dress... Uh, and she mentions that, like, oh, I can't believe they they thought you won the bet. And Dade goes, oh, no, they didn't. They just thought that there was no other way I would actually get a date with you. <laughs> so they said that I won. And that was, like, a cute moment. So they're, they're having a cute little date. He turns to her and he goes, you want to go for a swim? She has this devilish smile. Now they go for this swim in the pool. 
what pool? I don't know. Random it's pool. It's somewhere because, you know, their relationship started with a pool, kind of. So it has to end with a pool, the movie, in the movie anyway. So right across from where this pool is, there's a couple of skyscrapers because, you know, New York City. And Dade had apparently hacked the skyscrapers to make the lights read out crash and burn (laughs) and it like in flashing lights and she's like laughing and it's really it's like a cute like moment and then Dade looks at her and is like hey I don't like I don't know if this sounds weird but I've been having a lot of strange and then she goes dreams and it's like oh yeah you both had weird sex dreams about each other and then they kiss and make out and they go under the water and they have like the end credits are over like making out shots of them underwater and it's very artsy i don't know but that's what that's how the movie ends i think it implies pool sex but that's just me of course you would say that dear i would think i mean i've never had pool sex i would imagine it's very difficult i would imagine it's very uncomfortable and difficult to make out with a person underwater let alone have sex but again i'm not an expert (laughs) Uh, but that is Hackers. Yay! Okay, so let me get to my uh, two possible names. Oh, yes, because, again, Joey, who his whole arc in the beginning was that he was, like, a newbie with no name. They all had a nickname except for Joey. And I get, like, they kind of do an arc with him because then he kind of saves the day at the end because he's the one that gets actually gets the garbage file. But they never, I thought, like, it would be nice if they christened him with, like, a hacker name at the end, but they never did that. So I have two possibles. Okay, go ahead. The first one is Garbage File. No, you can't. It has to be something with garbage, but go ahead. Continue. Or The Worm. We could, You could do The Worm. You could do The Worm or The Garbage Man, I feel like would be, either either one would be good. I feel like The Garbage File is kind of a weird well, well, you have acid burn. Yeah, but those are like cool sounding names. Acid burn, crash override, zero cool, like serial killer. Like you know, they're all like. I I, I think it it plays because it's that's what he did. He got the garbage file. That's what he did. I feel like gar the garbage man would be cooler. I guess the garbage man or what did I say? The other one? What did you say? The worm. The garbage man or the worm. The worm's funny too. I like that one. The worm. Either way. But yeah, I wish Joey got a little hacker moniker too. Poor, poor Jesse Bradford got cheated out of a cool 90s hacker name. Oh yeah, I'm sure. I'm sure he's crying. We should name ourselves. What would our cool 90s hackers nicknames be? I would be the spark. Yeah, because my last name is Spark. I'm easy. I would be like something with the spark. I probably iceberg. Iceberg's good. I like that. Iceberg and spark. Because the sp- and the spark melts the iceberg. Uh. Cuz cuz I made you fall madly in love with me, Scotty. <laughs> um so anyway, um yeah, that was hackers. Uh I Again, haven't seen this movie in a while, but I had rated it on uh, on Letterboxd, so I checked to see what I had rated it. I rated it a three, but I actually changed it to three and a half because I just have such a nostalgic sweet spot for this movie. Like, I just, I love, I really do love it. And again, objectively, it's not good, but I just, I love it. I really do. <laughs> it's... 
it's definitely interesting. The editing is so bonkers with the slow-mo, the f- then the speed-ups, then yeah, the transitions. Yeah, there's a lot of moments, especially in the transitions. We didn't really touch on that in, while we were talking about the plot, but in a lot of the transitions, it's just like quick, like, zipping shots of like... Cyber world. Yeah, and it's it's... I don't mind it because, again, I feel like it fits with the whole aesthetic. So it's fine. It, it's it's weird. But it is, it's out of pocket. Like, again, if if this movie came out today, it would not even track in the slight. Like, it is not timeless in any way, shape, or oh, form. Oh, no, not at all. It probably was dated, like, a week after the fucking movie came out. Yeah. But, like, that's kind of why I like it. <laughs> like it's totally a guilty pleasure admittedly a guilty pleasure if i didn't watch this a million times growing up i probably would think it's shit too but yeah i i just i just love it guys i really do it's fucking boss <laughs> it's just fun not to mention the fashion choices are hysterical that's fun though it's it's they're hysterical they're to be hilarious. fair though Everything minus the one Mark Anthony incident in the, in the party scene, the aesthetic as far as costumes and stuff is consistent throughout. Is it realistic in any way, shape, or form? Hell fucking no. But then again, this whole movie is completely unrealistic in every single fucking way. So you just kind of have to like buy into the craziness. And if you can do that, you can have fun with it and go on a little ride. You uh, know what I mean? Yeah, I definitely had fun it's, with it. It's one of those movies where, like, it's if you, I think actually, hold on, let me refer again to my notes because I think I found a specific review for this movie by Roger Ebert. Oh, because <laughs> I, you know, I love Roger Ebert. He has some interesting viewpoints. Yes. The review says, and I quote, This film is smart and entertaining as long as you don't take the computer stuff too seriously. Which is, I mean, that's that's it in a nutshell, in my opinion. Yeah. Oh, God. It, it's... Uh, I'm hovering. Where, where, where are you at? Let's, let's talk this through. I'm hovering between the 2.5 and the 3. Okay, so here's... I've I've been there. I've been where you are with other movies. Well, I had recently watched two movies that uh, I was kind of on the fence between two and a half and three, one of which I actually ended up giving a three and one of which I gave a two and a half. The reason... The, the deciding factor for me between two and a half and three, two and a half is literally like middle of the road. Like, I, I don't like it, but I don't hate it. Three for me is like, I I liked it like a little like I liked it okay. You know what I mean? Yeah. Two and a half really, I I have no real affinity for the film. I have no warm and fuzzies when I watch the film. You know what I'm saying? Does that make sense? Yes. Because it, just mathematically speaking, because you know me, I'm such a mathematician. There's five stars, yes. and literally half of that is two and a half. So. Yes two and a half is literal eh and then three is just like slightly above eh so that's the deciding thing for me anything three and above i put like the little heart on um letterbox 
saying that I liked it because anything three and above is something that I liked. So I would suggest, and I'm not trying to, you know, persuade you in any which way. I would never do such a thing. No, never. Never. Um, (laughs) Moulin Rouge. (laughs) Lame is. But, (laughs) but if you had any affinity for the film that you liked it or you would, if any part of you would recommend it or want to watch it again just for shits and gigs maybe even I would give it a three as opposed to a two and a half that's just my opinion you don't have to agree I I think this is similar for me to where you were on the whole nine yards where I get more of a giggle by making fun of this movie yes but in I would say that this is better than the whole nine yards that in my opinion that's what I would say but uh, it's close. Um, it's very close. Like if you if you haven't listened to that episode, the whole nine yards episode, I implore you to listen to it because I'm just slowly but surely having a nervous breakdown while watching this while talking about this movie, like talking about that movie. I I feel like I mean, OK, here's here's the difference for me <laughs> okay. between whole nine yards and hackers. And then we'll we'll get to what you were going to say. The whole nine yards, the plot made no fucking sense and there was no like there was no overarching uniqueness of theme that kind of held it together no chemistry between the actors that held it together it was just Chandler acting like a dipshit and Bruce Willis being weird and half caring and half not caring so (laughs) I I disagree with that Bruce Willis cared at least in that movie a little bit uh, but the, you also had some great, like, there were some good side characters. Amanda Pete was fun. Like, again, but the, the, similar... the story <laughs> made no sense. This and... story at least makes sense. Uh, it's over no. the top. <laughs> no, 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 no. The story makes sense. The execution and, like, the logic of the story is, like, overblown and, like, would never happen in real life. But you follow the fucking story. Yeah. And it's it's definitely over the top, but the whole movie's over the top. But it's, like, in a fun and unique way, in my opinion, anyway. Okay. And plus nostalgia goggles. To be fair, on my end, with hackers, I have nostalgia goggles on, so that's just that's just me. Okay, you talked me into it. I'll give it a three. <gasps> Yay! I finally did it! <laughs> Now, will you give a Moulin Rouge a four? <laughs> no. Not let's, a let's, fucking Let's get chance. you up to four, Moulin Rouge. I got you up on Moulin Rouge, That's like, true. twice. Because after we watched... First, after we did the review for Moulin Rouge, I got his review up. And then I got it up again after we saw Les Mis. Because he hated Les Mis so much that he's like, oh yeah, Moulin Rouge is actually not so bad. <laughs> Please check out those, too, if you want. Because... Basically, any musical we have on our fucking on our fucking episode list, check it out because nine times out of ten, Scott will be losing his shit. <laughs> well, she showed me two fucking crazy ass musicals, but they're crazy good. I know, I know, uh, Scott. They're crazy, but they're crazy good. I don't know about that. I don't know about that. Okay, Frankie, I think it's time to wrap us up. All right. So uh, next week. Scott will be showing me another movie. I'm excited about this particular one uh, for reasons that we will discuss next week. 
But until then, this has been Shoot the Flick, an official Paradoja podcast. I'm Frankie Sparks. And I'm Scott Eisenberg. Make sure you check us out on Instagram and Twitter at Shoot the Flick and check out our weekly episodes every single Wednesday on iTunes, Spotify, Google Podcasts, and iHeartRadio, and pretty much anywhere else you can find a podcast. And make sure you come back next week for our super fun, super fly movie adventure. Hack the planet. Hack the planet!